Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 300 speaker files, links for you to subscribe to the podcast, and a place where you can donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Alison. Hi everybody, my name is Allison. I'm a compulsive eater. Hi, so excited to be here. I just thought there's a fan we could put up to blow up my skirt. That would be awesome too. Alright. If I fall, I fall hard. So, I'm a compulsive eater. Nice to see everybody. Oh, I have notes because I can't remember anything. That's a long time until 620. I don't know if I have that much memory, but we'll see what comes up. Uh, okay. So I'm a compulsive eater, I'm a liar, I'm a cheater, I'm a bulimic, I'm very vain, I know that, it's just not very painful yet, but uh, I also am, um, you know, I'm a compulsive eater, I'm not particularly a compulsive overeater anymore because I'll qualify, but I am still a compulsive eater in a lot of the actions and thoughts that I have, so um, that's that's what I'll bring, I can bring that bring it. Uh, Okay, so just to qualify, I have been abstinent over eight years, and I am maintaining a weight loss of a hundred and um a hundred and eight pounds. And that's amazing. I mean, that's a miracle to me. I really wanted to say 110 pounds because I'm a liar. I'm just kind of putting that out there. Right, Brent? It's a little game I play. <laughs> that was a lie. So that was a lie. 110 pounds today. It was 108 pounds, and that's and that's the truth. And I appreciate your um, appreciation of those little mental quirks that I have. Um, so happy birthday! Two years is awesome. Um, and welcome to the newcomers. Just keep coming. I actually brought a picture, just in case nobody believes that, because I can't believe it, really. Of course, I, well, we'll just show it later, shall we? Um, okay, so what it was like? Was, oh, no. Really, I did. I weighed 263 pounds. Um, okay. I think about my abstinence. All the time. I bless you. God bless you. Um, I am in it. I am in this program. I am black and white. I, I work a black and white program. I work these steps again and again and again. I use all the tools, some more than others. And uh, and still, with all that work, I continue to be a liar and a cheater and a manipulator, slothful. Um, I've never been happier, but there you go. I mean, I, I still carry all of that with me. And only as a result of this program, the same thing that you said, I'm still married. I, I, I own a house. I have children who call me on my birthday. They don't really send a big present, but they call me. And when you have big children, it's like, hey, what about all those parties? But that's greedy. Okay, so I'm really greedy. There, that's out there too. Uh, perfect example of my, um, of my disease. And my recovery is, uh, so I came from the San Fernando Valley, and it's just as hot right now as it is there in the San Fernando Valley, but it's hot over there. I mean, it's um, dry over there. That's a lie. Um, so 
I came over here from the San Fernando Valley, and my husband is going to take me out to dinner tonight. But dinner's not until like 7.30 or 8 o'clock. That's kind of late for me to eat. My abstinence is three meals, two snacks, no recreational sugar, no deep fried food. So I brought an apple with me in the car because if I'm hungry, you know, after this, then I'll eat my snack before I got to dinner. And that's kind of funny because really, if I'm hungry, like when was that relevant? I have an apple in my car. I would eat it. So um, so I had the apple in my car, and I pulled up the freeway, and there was a woman, a homeless woman, who was walking with a sign who said, I'm hungry, and, uh, you know, please help. And so the thought came to me, um, you know, give her the apple. No way. Not giving her my apple. Can't do it. Mm-mm. Still a compulsive eater. That's a pretty compulsive thought. I mean, I thought I could, I, so I thought I could give her some money. Thankfully, the light just turns green. But I am not all that recovered. <laughs> and that's the truth. You know, I'd like to say, oh, I'm just walking on this cloud and everything is good. And that would be another lie. And I'm not going to lie to you. My idea of a fifth step is when I come to these meetings and I tell you exactly what's going on in my head. I'm really aware of my disease. I make it a point and a practice to listen to my head, to listen to my disease, to make a note of it, to take notes, not just of my disease, but of the thought, just the general thoughts that I have in my head. Because, you know, I I have a lot of friends who are um, alcoholic. And I actually was a drug addict as well. But that's nothing. You know, I took drugs to stop eating. Um, And I could just walk away from them, but then I walked right into the food. Um, And I have friends and I have sponsees who, you know, work a really strong AA program too, but it is not the same as working this program. All due respect, you know, every day, three times a day, I get to take the tiger out of the cage. And actually, I wrote it down. So for eight years and two months... 80, well, okay, 8,940 meals. I've had 8,940 abstinent meals, and that's a miracle because it's one day at a time, one meal at a time. Some of them are more sober than others. Some of them are better than others, and and the the sobriety of my food is directly proportional to the joy in my heart, but sometimes I just need a little extra food, and I battle with certain foods, and I give them up, and I take them. Oh, my gosh, gum. So here I go on a roll. Okay, so gum, you know, a pack of gum is 200 calories. I hate that. I don't get a lot of calories to begin with. I could have more if I wanted to exercise, but like I said, I'm lazy, so I don't want to exercise anymore, and I do want to be this way because I'm vain, and I have a closet full of cute clothes, Clinton Kelly says, dress cute, so I dress cute, and I don't, you know, I I like being at a healthy body weight, I like being this size, but sometimes when life is tough, I don't make the best choices, my, uh, okay, slow down, whoo, sister, (sighs) now it's hot in here. So the thing I'm struggling with this summer is berries. I love berries. I love frozen berries. I love fresh berries. I'm incapable of measuring them. That's the truth. I can't measure them. I say I'm going to have a cup, oh, a cup and a half, and really I just open up that frozen packet and pour the whole thing in. So then I don't understand why it's 108 instead of 110, right? I'm still in the zone. It's eight years, almost 9,000 meals. I'm still abstinent, but that little bit of an extra, that padding is what makes me crazy. It just kind of makes me feel not good. It makes me feel not um, confident. It makes me feel ashamed. 
And I think about, you know, my early days in OA, one of the biggest things, I would just wake up with these, like, tentacles of shame every day. It took me probably a year before I could just tell that disease, I was abstinent yesterday. I was abstinent yesterday. I did it. I'm abstinent. I'm abstinent. I'm abstinent. My disease is like a sticky tar that layer by layer by layer by layer starts to diffuse. So, oh, isn't this sounding fun to the newcomer? Keep coming back. They have different speakers every week. Um, but it's been a process, and it's only because it's only because I work this program as diligently as I do that I'm still abstinent and at a healthy body weight. And I, I'm very aware of my disease. I'm very aware of my of my abstinence. It's very black and white. My sponsor's perfect. Her food is perfect. That's pretty much what I think. Mine's not so much. Really, she never tells me. She says, I struggle, I struggle. I'm like, when? When do you struggle? I tend to be a pretty uh, soft sponsor just because, you know, I still, I still struggle with, with the, that extra food sometimes. Um, and every time I have a meal, every time I get to make those choices, I come face to face with my disease. And my disease is, my disease says that won't be enough. That won't be enough. I deserve a little more. Nobody will know. I'm greedy. I'm really greedy at my core. That is my disease. I am a glutton, and that is really who I am. And so I have to, you know what? The solution for me is to much of the time just eat very sober food, kind of the same food a lot, you know, foods that I know are going to work for me. Um, I take my food pretty much wherever I go, except now I'm going to Black Angus. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is it that hot? <laughs> um, so pretty, and you know what, I'm kind of ticking in my head a little bit about, I wonder if I order a chicken breast, if they'll give me the whole thing. <laughs> I so, and I figured they know what a serving is, right? <sighs> Okay. It's okay. That's where my head goes. That's how it is in Allison's head. So, um, where was I? <laughs> I am there, actually. Okay, so for me, the solution is pretty much to, you know, weigh and measure and take my food with me. I like to think that, you know, I'm on the racehorse diet. That's just what I call it because it's fun in my head. Um, you know, if you own a race, if you have a horse, if you've ever owned horses, or, see, I haven't, but I like to think, right. So, um, pretender, <laughs> poser. Um, horses need, they eat the same thing all the time. I mean, maybe every now and again they have a carrot or they have an apple, but they pretty much eat the same, and some dogs too, like French bulldogs are like that. Same thing all the time. Um, they don't really know that they're not, that they're missing barbecue potato chips, but they eat the same thing all the time because they would get sick if they ate other stuff, right? And so if you love your pet, oh, my gosh, I have a dog who has diabetes. I feed him, oh, my God. I mean, I force him to eat his diabetic food, and I give him two shots a day, and he can't have cottage because I love him. I love him. And so he, okay, yeah, I put a little bit of bacon grease on it, but that's, that's here there. So, but he was excited. Um, bacon. See, bacon, in my head, it's a protein. It's not a protein. Oh, and here's a compulsive behavior. I made four pounds of bacon this morning. I don't eat the bacon. Four. Some of it was thick fly. Some of it was the maple. It was on sale. It's Martin Final. Six dollars. It's still on sale. Um, my husband and his brother. Oh, I could go into that. I live with my brother-in-law and my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law's name is Mary Lou. I live in Mary Louville. So, but it's okay. 
Today it's okay. Um, right? I don't eat the bacon. I love to cook bacon, and I'm really good at it. It's one of those skills that my mom passed down to me. And so, and it stores really well. I mean, it's full of nitrates, so why wouldn't it? So I cook a lot of it, and I, and I put it in the refrigerator, and everybody snacks. I have a bunch of normies in my house. They all eat it, and, you know. So anyway, that's compulsive behavior, right? I mean, one pound probably would be, but it was on sale. And that's what my head tells me, too. So that. What was I saying? Oh, okay. So anyway, so Colby had a little bacon grease on his diabetic food this morning. <sighs> Cheater. So I eat pretty much the same thing. To the best of my ability, I have a kind of a, you know, it's actually a lot of things that I can choose from, but I take my lunch to work. I take my lunch to events. I just can't really afford. Can you see what this head is like? Like, I can't afford to let that baby out of the chute. I can't afford to let that disease come in and start justifying and mollycoddling and telling me that it's all okay. It's not okay. I'm sick. I have an allergy. And if I eat sugar, I get really, really angry. And if I eat flour, I get very, very depressed. And I've proven... Oh. Wow. Somebody has a dog in here. I love my dog. So... It's not personal. You know, I'm actually, I'm also allergic to shellfish, which is kind of a drug, because that would be really helpful. I would love to eat a ton of shellfish. It's very low in calories. But I'm allergic to it, and I get um, just a very harsh gastrointestinal reaction. So I don't eat that. Uh, And I have to think of those foods as toxic in the same way, even though... I won't get sick to my stomach from sugar. I'm going to get so angry at my husband and so resentful of my children. And, oh, I hate to think of my mother-in-law. Like, what kind of wrath would I dole out on that poor little woman with COPD? She'd be at that... She can stand it. It's terrible. Oh, she didn't even say those things. So, all right. And you know what? This is supposed to be, like, what it's like now. This is supposed to be the hopeful portion. And it is. My life is so good now. That's great. But I'm crazy. You know, I'm crazy. And I came into these rooms, and I have to tell you, somebody dragged me into these rooms. I did not want to come in here. I did not want to be the compulsive overeater. I thought that was so derelict to go to really overeaters anonymous. Oh, so bad. But then I got in here, and, um, you know, it was just a very comfortable place to be. And I visited probably for six months until finally, you know, I just needed a meeting a lot. Like, I just say, maybe a meeting would help. And my husband, of course, would say, can I drive you? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so eventually it just, it just dawned on me that, that this was the best thing I had ever found in my life. And I, and I committed fully to it, really fully. Um, okay. So what it was like. Let's, let's start with that. Uh, what it was like, I'm five foot nine. I weigh 154 pounds. I'm 54 years old. There you go. That's who I am. I mean, just if we're kind of measuring. Um, I walked into the rooms. I had been strung out on fin fin, fin fine. See, these we fin fin, and then they made the two foot. One was not okay, and they changed it. And so then it said, this one's fin, and this one is fine. So it was fin fine. I was taking fin fine. And that was probably my third trip down that lane. I uh, didn't know any other way to keep my weight down. And and guess what? I didn't. I didn't keep my weight down. I didn't know 
that was the only way I knew how to get my weight down was to take some form of a diet pill. I was thinking today, so thank you so much for asking me to speak. It really helps me put things in perspective. And it says in the big book, you know what, I'm not going to be ashamed to tell you that this is who I am or to tell my story because um, maybe it would stop me from going down there again. And I was pretty, I was, I was pretty sad, metaphorically and, and um really sad as long as I can I mean I was reading in the big book today and this guy was talking the keys to the kingdom and he was saying I felt like I didn't fit in and you know I I didn't fit in when I was a kid now at 54 years old this was before any electronic or technological um, devices we really had to play you know we walked to school and when we got home we went outside to play and um, we were very very active and even with that I wasn't heavy I was chubby you know I was a little chubby and boy nobody else in school was chubby there was not the epidemic of obesity that there is today Um, nobody else was you know a little bit chubby and and I got teased for it terribly they used to call me Big Al because my name is you know Allison and so Big Al and I remember we'd go swimming and um, my dad bless his heart would call me Bubbles after Bubbles the Whale at SeaWorld nice you know this is we eat for a reason right Right. We live with that kind of, it's no wonder that I felt nothing but shame, you know, all those years. Um, so I had a lot of good reasons to eat. I didn't feel like I belonged, and I didn't really belong. Um, and so it was when I uh, was in junior high school, and this was in the 70s, so probably 1970. There you go. Um, and drugs were, you know, everybody had drugs. All your best friends had, well, all my friends had drugs. Um, I discovered wipes, those little white cross tabs. I don't know if anybody's familiar with them. And that was like the answer to everything. I would steal money from my dad's wallet. I used to steal money from my dad's wallet. <laughs> now that I look back on that, I had quite a bit of self-righteous anger towards my dad. But I used to steal money and I'd go buy candy. Um, I used to steal money from my brother, and I had every reason to do that. And I used to buy candy on the way to work. Well, it was work in school, but on the way to school. So now I would steal money, and I would get drugs at school. And I would, um, that was perfect for me. Life was great because I wasn't eating, and I was, I'm kind of a clean, you know, one of those people. And everything was clean. I'd stay up really late and do craft projects. And <laughs> I'm not really artistic, but it was something fun. I, you know, I sewed clothes and <laughs> cooked bacon. So um, I loved those drugs. And that, to me, was the solution. And obviously, as life progressed, um, you know, I would just kind of go on them and off them, on them and off them. And I actually went to Culver High, which is really close here, and Culver Junior High. And so, boy, in my day, there was Pup and Taco. When I got a driver's license, whoo, I love that place. You could get hot dogs and refried beans at the same time. Um, That was a big deal. I could go to Tito's. I could drive to Villa Italian or Johnny's Pastrami or Zookies. I mean, I knew where I would steal money because I'm a thief. And then I would go to these, I mean, I just ate. So I would either be buying food or buying drugs. And that just, you know, it was, that was my, I mean, we could stop right there. But I had to go another 40 years until I walked into Overeaters Anonymous. So in junior high, it was, you know, white. In high school, I think I discovered, um, 
Black Beauties. Bifetamine, 10 milligrams. That was on my heart. <laughs> Thank goodness I didn't get that tattoo, right? Because, um, you know, things that were important, I always thought I should have a tattoo. I have a tattoo. Woo, thank you, God. So um, I like tattoos, but I, I just I shuddered to think of what I would have put on before. <laughs> so, um, like, dress cute and don't take any crap. Sorry, it's being recorded. I would have put that. So, uh, okay, so black beauties. And then when I um, went into college or after high school, cocaine, that was big, big, big cocaine. And... Um, is it okay to say I was very promiscuous in my days of cocaine? Because, you know, when I was thin, come on, you know, that was that was currency. I come from a long line of beautiful, arrogant women. And, you know, beauty and charm were a real currency. And so when I was thin um, and addicted to those drugs, which I know this is OA, okay, okay, okay. But that was still just a way for me to get my drugs, to get what I needed, you know. Because without it, I had no peace. I had no... I was just a churning mass of emotions. I had no friends. So, and then, then I, I mean, I will say that I um, kind of uh, had, okay, so methamphetamine, there you go. Like, I hate to admit that, but because that, I'm vain, um, but that's the truth, is that um, once the cocaine started getting pretty expensive for my needs, you know, the amount that I needed, I was introduced to methamphetamine. And uh, I used that off and on for many a year, um, even after I had children, to maintain my weight and hopefully maintain my marriage. Because, you know, my husband wouldn't want a, a fat wife. Like, what a lie that is. What a lie that is, as though he married me just for my body, you know. For the bacon. How's <laughs> a really good cook? So, um, I mean, obviously that wasn't it either. Well, he married me because I got pregnant. That's the truth. Oh, my gosh. Every meeting is like a fifth step. <laughs> so, so, I hope that paints a picture of what it was like. <laughs> Woo! So, okay, so I'm married, I have these four kids, I, uh, and I'm taking fenfine. I'm, uh, so that was 2004. I don't even know how old I was, 44? I don't think so. It's 2012, now that's eight years ago, I'm 54, so that was 46? So I'm 46, 45, I start coming, my friend drags me to, o- to uh, OA, and she says, Come over to my house. She's my binge Betty. And I called her, and I'm I'm down 65 pounds, you know, because I'd weighed 263, so I was down 65 pounds. And um, I was doing everything. Boy, completely demoralized, Um, you know, abusing my calendar, my checking account, my calories. Um, I'll talk about that in a second. But so she said, well, come on over, because I've lost 60 pounds, too. I'm like, wow, how'd you do it? She says, come on over. I'll tell you about it. So I went over to her house, and she said, um, and I didn't know she was coming to OA, and she said, I've lost 60 pounds, and I eat whatever I want. Really? She said, yeah. She said, come on over, you know, bring your lunch and come on over. So I went over, and I said, okay, I'll be there, you know, at noon. And I got there a little bit late, and she was, she was watching her clock. 
because, you know, when you start a program and you get three meals a day and you're used to eating at 12 o'clock and my head says 12 o'clock, 12 o'clock, I am ready to eat. So when I walked in at 12.10, she's like, huh. So, so I came in and I'm like, what? And she had a nice lunch, too. She had a sandwich with turkey and coleslaw. And I'm thinking, that looks pretty good. And so then she starts to tell me about OA. And again, I'm like, I am not going to OA. But she kept calling me and she kept reaching out and um, finally and I just kind of kept putting her off and finally she said you know Allie I I don't want to bug you about OA I don't want to you know be on your back if you don't want to hear about it anymore I, I understand but our purpose is to reach out to those other compulsive overeaters who still suffer and I just I remember just looking at that word and realizing the extent of my suffering, really suffering, you know, suffering all my life, suffering on the drugs, suffering off the drugs, suffering at home, suffering at work, nobody understanding me, my kids just making me angry. I mean, I just couldn't relax and enjoy a single moment. And when she said that word, I thought, oh, fine, I'll go, fine. And I went, and I went to my first meeting over in Sherman Oaks, and um, you know what? It wasn't it wasn't like a kablam where I got abstinent because my initial thought was, I do not have time for this, right? I, I just I do not have time to come to these meetings. I do not have time to plan my food, and I'm doing fine. I'm fine. I am, you know, taking this. Man, it's hot in here. Sorry, I'm taking this spin fine and my weight is going down, I got it. And um, and I had this epiphany after I had been going a little while, and it, and, and it grew. I mean, it, it grew in my understanding. But there's a difference between humiliation and demoralization. And the big book talks about, you know, when we just have reached um, incomprehensible demoralization. And... So I could say that I, I was both, but they're not the same thing. Humiliation is what my weight does to me, but demoralization is what happened to me and what can still happen to me and does still happen to me um, when I when I choose a gray door. You know, there's black and there's white, and it's a slow fade, and uh, until it turns into gray, and so. Demoralization means that I have no morals. I have no standards. It means that, you know, it's not okay for you to lie. It's not okay for you to manipulate me. It's not okay for you to cross outside of the crosswalk, but it is for me because it's me. Demoralization for me means that I want to play with my checkbook. I want to play with my calories. I... I'm a little irritated. I only get like 1,250 calories. That just doesn't seem right. It's not personal. <laughs> it's a formula. It's, it's just the law of physics. But I think that I'm so special that I should be able to defy the laws of physics. I should be able to eat more calories than I need. I should be able to spend more money than my paycheck. I should be able to schedule more events and say yes to more invitations than there are hours in the day. And what does that make me? That makes me demoralized. I have no morals because a moral says I have this many dollars 
and I'm going to budget that out, and I'm going to live within my means. It means that I get to eat 1,250 calories a day, and today I'm going to have a little bit more because I'm going to block anger. <laughs> Somebody told me a joke the other day. said, what has two thumbs and doesn't care? Allison. <laughs> I hang around with the best people. So, um, so that's what demoralization means, that I think that I'm so special or so damaged or so suffering or so smart that I can color outside of these lines. And the truth is, I can, if that's my choice. But what happens to my head? It just starts to spin. When I am eating more calories, and I know I'm eating more calories, right? It's, you know, that gray door, it's avocado. I tell my sponsor, I'm having a green salad. What color is avocado? Green. How about olives? Green. Right. Right. I have to count for those. I have to be willing to be accountable for my food. Oh, I'm 54 years old. I don't have much of a metabolism left, and I hear it gets worse, so I'm screwed. So, so, that's one way I'm demoralized. Um, so it's with the calories, with the calendar, because before I came to program, I just really wanted to run around and do all kinds of things and, and like, not account for my time. Well, then that just makes me snappy and edgy and mean to people because they're in my way and I'm on the street and people are in my way and, oh, my gosh. The other day I saw a bumper sticker that said, go around. I left on time. <laughs> right? So, so that's who I am today. I leave on time. I say no to invitations. I plan out my food. I plan out my food. Most days I adhere to that food plan. Most days I eat exactly what I said. Yesterday I ate exactly what I said. And the freedom that comes with that is enormous. That because the disease really still wants to jabber in my head that, you know, I'm not doing it right, that I don't matter, that I have no value, that I can't do it. Is that are you waving at me, Justin? No. Oh, you're just using my sign to cool you, huh? <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh. Alright. So so what it was like, um, that's what it was like. I came into, so I came into program, and, thank you. <laughs> I was foreplay, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> good. Okay. I came into program. I kept coming back. Just keep coming back. And I started working these steps, and I started using the tools. I've worked the steps. I'm on my fourth time through them. The first time I worked them on my food, and you know, I, I knew at the time that I was just scratching the surface, and that's okay. That's okay. I'm not going anywhere. I'm, I, you know, I, my sponsor would say, you just chew this slowly for the first time in your life for pie-eye. Chew it slowly. Take your time. One paragraph at a time. What does this... What does this mean to you? How does this relate to you? Next paragraph. What does this mean? How do you relate to this? Just on and on. So I went through the food and just my general life. The second time through, I had to work those steps on um, sloth at work because I'm a liar and a cheater. 
and I didn't want to put in a full day's work. I really just wanted to shop eBay. Oh, again, with the checkbook. <laughs> right? And I wanted to, you know, I still like Facebook a lot. I try not to, but I do. Well, I had, I had the kind of job where, you know, I can justify that. Okay. Maybe to human beings, but not to my higher power. So, uh, I worked on my sloth. And, you know, things got better. I've had this job for seven years now. Um, and then I worked it again on something else. I don't know that whatever it was, it went away because I worked the steps. And now I'm working that when we combined households <laughs> with my mother-in-law and my brother-in-law, um, I just had to start working the steps. I didn't even know what I was working them on, you know. I didn't know what the source of my unhappiness was. I just knew that I was crazy and that I was being mean and that I wasn't I wasn't showing up for things. I just knew I was just full of nerves and jangles and thoughts, and I just I just needed to start working the steps. I'm just pow- And every day I was, I was kind of powerless over something different. How am I going to feel living with my mother-in-law and my brother-in-law who is head injured and that was the problem is my mother-in-law who's always taking care of Donald Donald (laughs) she got sick and down she went and you know we'd always kind of talk about well what would happen when mom was unable to care for Donald well we didn't know it just come like one day bam down and so we had to kind of put the plan in place which was to you know sell our house sell her house and put our houses together and take all her money which we did and we uh, bought a new house so, I'm greedy. And you know what? She had another account. She had another IRA I didn't know about. I'm like, hey, we could have been up on that hill had I known. Whatever. So, um, <laughs> and she's so funny. She showed me the money. I'm like, well, you just keep that, Mom. You just put that. I'm thinking, my husband's name is on it. Now I know you have it. It's awesome. Because I want her money, too. <laughs> so, I keep making those bacon sandwiches. And, um, okay. <laughs> It's all six degrees, right? Kevin Bacon! There you go. I could stop right now. I could put it right now. So, uh, oh my gosh. So, I've had to work my steps on this situation, on my living situation. And it's not just living, because if I'm nice at home, I'm mean at work. And if I'm mean at work, then I don't want to come home. And, you know, I'm staying out late, and my husband's like, hey, where's my wife? And I had to go for outside help. I mean, it was just, it was so big, and who knew it would be like that? You know, really unmatched, unchartered territory. I had never been there. I discovered some character defects. Oh, my gosh. I did not want to discover them. Martyr. Martyr. Like, living on my front porch. I'm like, you get out of here. You get out of here. She's like, okay, I'm just going to be on that front porch. Like a gypsy. No, they don't call them gypsies. They're travelers now. So I watched that show, my big fat gypsy wedding. It's pretty amazing. Um, so travelers. So she was on my front porch. And I, you know, some days, I walk out the front door, and I'm like, come on. Let's go. We're going to work. And, but she hasn't been around for a while, so the martyr seems to be better. I also, what I discovered about me, how exciting is this? I, I hate authority. I hate living with my mother. Because 22 years we've been together. She's like my mother. And you know, she's a better mother to me than my own mother is, truly. I hate authority. I hate people telling me what to do. I want to give a half measure and get full appreciation. I want, you know, chips. (laughs) 
that's what it's like now. It's really, it's what it's like now. I mean, every day I have to work this program. I have to get up in the morning. I get up really early. And, you know, two, I'm just going to pitch for this. I'm so grateful to have the life that I live today. I mean, really, my life is beyond my wildest dreams. I, I never knew what it meant to be purposeful and intentional and to think about what I wanted to do with my life and who I wanted to be friends with and how much time I wanted to spend with somebody. And um, could I, have, I mean, I never was intentional. I just kind of, I just chewed through everything, if that makes sense. I chewed through men. I chewed through food. I chewed through whatever. And um, it's not like that. It's very intentional and very purposeful. And with that, I feel like I'm connected to God. It all comes down to God. It all comes to my connection with God. What do you want me to do? I heard God tell me to give her that apple. No way. Mm-mm. So I say no to God, you know, more than I would like to admit. But you know what? He still tells me what to do, and I appreciate that. I'm, you know, that's how it's going to be. I think probably for the rest of my life I'm going to say, what do you think? And he'll say, we'll do that. No, I'm not going to do that. Because he's an authority. <laughs> I hate authorities. So, um Steady on, right? Just steady on. Eight years, 9,000 meals, steady on. One day at a time. Sometimes I run up ahead. Sometimes I lag behind. Woo-hoo. Dramatic. I don't know if you got that. Uh, I just steady on. I get up early. And I just want to pitch, if you're struggling with your program, if you can get up half an hour earlier, 15 minutes earlier, and apply that time to connecting with God, however you do that, that, for me, was the key. And I just kept sitting that clock 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 10 minutes, because I didn't have enough time. And then, you know, started to realize that my calendar was unmanageable as well as my life. But that made a big difference for me with getting all of this done in the morning, because if I think I'm going to do something later in the day, I'm not. If I think I'm going to exercise it, I'm not. If I'm going to pack my... I'm not. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to come home like, whoo, tired me. I better watch some TV. Oh, by the way, Breaking Bad. I've never watched that. That mess. <laughs> I don't know why, but I really relate to that. So uh, I'm so glad for the edit button on this. So, I, you know, I'm... I, I, that's it. Steady on. One day at a time. Work the steps. Use the tools sponsor, talk to newcomers, just show up. You know, on my best days, um, I'm so happy. And on my worst days, I'm so okay. That, um, you know, so far so good, I haven't had to go back to that. Oh, look at all these notes I had, but I don't like authority. So so there you go. I think I'm going to end, if that's okay. Thank you for letting me share.